Thank you for downloading our podcast. This is Discussing Documentaries with myself, Matt Wills, and Rick Wharton. Say hello, Rick. Hey, folks. And today we are discussing and dissecting four-year plan. It's... Um... Are you all right, though, oh. Matt? You sound, like, you sound like a robot that's trying to learn human emotions okay. as you do in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Let me relax. Hello. You've got thank this. You for... No pressure. No <laughs> pressure. You've got this. Thank you. Hello and thank you for downloading our podcast. Oh my God, I haven't got it again. Hello and thank you for downloading our podcast. This is Discussing Documentaries with me, Matt Wills and Rick Wharton. Say hello, Rick. Hello. The documentary we are discussing today is Four Year Plan. It was released in 2011. It's 89 minutes long and it's currently playing on Amazon. It is a sports documentary, but not in the way that I'd watch a sports documentary. So this one was clearly picked by Rick. It was directed by Matt Hodgson, and it's an ad hoc films production. It had some accolades, or an accolade rather. It won the Marbella International Film Festival, the Best Documentary Award in 2011, which sounds a bit dodgy because Marbella is a place where billionaires dock their super yachts and this is a documentary about billionaires and football. Uh, the synopsis of the documentary is in 2007, Queen's Park Rangers, the football club, they were facing relegation and bankruptcy, and they were rescued by four high-profile billionaires. And it's told from the inside the boardroom, the changing rooms, and the sidelines. The documentary features the boardroom battles, the telephone conversations, and the private chats that reveal the inside story of the dramatic developments that led to QPR's potential success to the Premier League. This seems a very apt documentary because as of yesterday, the English Premier League finished. Um, my missus has been working away, so I got to watch football all afternoon and then a football documentary. So, so far, it's one of my best days of the year. Rick, what do you got to say about this documentary, my man? This, I got to be honest, this documentary was probably the worst for my mental health we've done so far. This is because you're a Newcastle United supporter. The whole documentary lays out the dire situation that Queen's Park Rangers are in. Yeah. So they were relegated to the lower leagues. And by 2007, their, their failure on the field and an £18 million debt. And that was when £18 million was a lot of money. Yeah. And this meant the, the club was facing li liquidation. Um, so and from the brink of bankruptcy, right? So they were just about to get switched off as a football club. A bunch of fellas, a bunch of very rich fellas, uh, whose names are Bernie Eccleston from Formula One, Flavio Brigatori, who's also from Formula One, Alessandro Agag, again from Formula One. Uh, there was the still magnet, Lakshmi Mittal, right? And his son-in-law, Amit Bata. They bought into the club. They, they bought, owned the club. They sorted out the debts. And basically, it's called four-year plan because uh, Flavio said, we're going to be in the premiership in four years. Yeah. And that was quite a... That was quite a quite a statement. And to, to put that into context, if you're so Premiership is the best league 
in or English Premiership is the best football league on the planet. It's the most lucrative. The league below that, which I think is the fourth most exciting and watched league currently, um, is one below it, right? So that's called, in old money, it's second division. And their revenue in the second division stroke, which is now called the championship, was two million pound a year. Moving up to the premiership would put them up to forty two million pound a year for the first year, hopefully becoming a hundred to hundred and fifty million pound per season. Yeah, that's just just in T V revenue. Yeah. And these billionaires, if a billionaire's chucking money into it, there's money in there. And right? especially with the championship. Back in this day, this is before Wolves kinda changed the game a little bit with it mm. because they invested heavily. But before you, if you spend fifteen million, you were getting promoted. Yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you were getting promoted because you could just buy the best from that league and then go yes. up and sell them back down. And the return uh, on investment is, you know, that cost you fifteen million. You, you're going to make at least in your first year twenty five million quid, right? But this was back in two thousand and seven, and the excitement of it. Because I remember them talking about why is the richest men in the world buying QPR when you hear things like richest men in the world, which they're not. There is certain Saudi princes with a far greater wealth than them. <laughs> I swear to God. Do you, know, do you know when we got that? I put uh, I don't drink. I haven't drank in ages. And I got a bottle of brown ale for Christmas, which was like a special St. James's Park one. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to put that in the fridge. And when the takeover goes through in a few days' time, I'm going to enjoy... A ceremonial <laughs> bottle of brown ale for Mike Ashley leaving Newcastle. And that has stared at me in the face every morning going into the fridge for four fucking months now. <laughs> I think well, it's going to go off. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, just drink it. Go on, I'll buy you another one. No, um, it's, it's principle now. So so these, uh, these, these, these fellas, these very rich fellas, they bought the cameras in um, and they financed this film, but they had no control where the cameras pointed or when they pointed. And that's key to this film, right? And they yeah. also had no creative control. It was all down to Matt Hodgson, who made what I can only say is a brilliant documentary. What they um, capture is fascinating because it starts absolutely. off... Absolutely, yeah. It, it shows you the results they're getting on the pitch, but they have the owners mic'd up in the crowd. Yeah. And these aren't TV-trained personalities that nope. know to keep a stiff upper lip and support the team. Mm. They are passionate, rich Italians that are literally gesticulating with their hands, calling yeah. them idiots. When uh, they swear in Italian, it's gorgeous. And then you see the subtitles. Um, yeah. Italian swearing is so much more refined than English or British swearing. It just genuinely, ah, son of whore. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you're having a go at his mum. Okay, you don't even know the woman. It sounds so good, fellas, at times. And then um, the best Very part, good, fellas. You see Amit walking through the stadium, and you've got fans stopping them after a loss now. Yeah. What, I, what I wouldn't give for that. Just Mike Ashley to walk through the wrong part of the stadium on a Saturday once with cameras on him. Because... <laughs> what? What? I, just everything I saw just related to Newcastle for me. But like the guy stops them, and I think very quickly they realise we're not going to be do, going this way again because they're going around. I've yeah. been to 
Loftus Road. They're going around the corner, and there's like guys in Helly Hansen jackets stopping them and being like, "This is a fucking joke. What you want to do is right. You get in touch with this guy." <laughs> and I've got a theory. I don't want to give. I don't want to give any spoilers early doors, but I've got a theory to do with the creative control. <laughs> yeah, of the documentary <laughs> when it comes to Amit. All right. Well, this this film. Uh, to me, it lays out the golden rule, which is those with the gold make the rules. Mm. I agree with that. This film is all about, it's that song. All, all that kept going through my head when I was watching it was Jesse J going, it's not about the money, money, money. Oh, it is Jesse. I'm afraid when it comes to football, it's all about the money, money, money. In fact, if I ask Rick now to agree to put a pound in the pot to charity for every time you mentioned Mike Ashley, um, he'd have to say no because he knows <laughs> throughout this podcast he's just going to keep tearing into to poor old Mike Ashley. Uh, and Mike Ashley's only a millionaire. He's not a billionaire like these chaps. We are so lucky we didn't do this one two months ago because it would have been three hours long. Four-year plan did me a service because just before I started working William Hill in London, uh, so that was like my fifth stint working in the bookies, had this manager. Youngest manager I ever had. He was like a fucking goodwill hunting uh, savant with maths, but he looked like he was in Green Street, like the, uh, the oh, football. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you might like huge mathematical brain, but not to be messed with guy. And since I am useless... I, I I literally do the jobs that where you have to least to do. My only job is to get on with the person next to me. And I had just seen Four Year Plan, and he was a QPR fan. So I I we just had an I just had enough shared knowledge that we could develop a friendship on that. And then I had I, I was able to coast and keep that job for a few months. <laughs> well, there was a great stat in that film where they said uh, promotion to the Premier League is the most lucrative prize in the world. Hmm. They could go up to 105 million a year in their first year it was projected, right? Now, it's not the most lucrative prize in, in world football, though, is it? Which is what they state. Because to the fans, I think the most lucrative prize in world football is winning a World Cup. Nope. You don't I, reckon? I would take a Newcastle Premier League win over England winning the World Cup every day of the week. Oh, okay. Well, according to my German and Spanish friends, uh, winning the World Cup is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, because in my lifetime, I haven't experienced it. We've only won it once. They've won it a few times. Oh, it would be great. It would be great to see. I would take either. But if I was given a preference, Newcastle being dominant for a season rather than a couple of good weeks in the summer. That's how much enjoyment's eked out over the year, if you look at it that way. Well, I think um, all the the rifts that were were made during Brexit would be fixed uh, with England winning the World Cup. I think that would exacerbate them massively. (laughs) (laughs) So the film starts with a show of wealth, right, from the owners. Now, these are billionaires. Yeah. Well, no, it starts with them driving around in their cars, their helicopters. Uh, It it has a clip of their their yachts. And then they basically get DIY SOS people in to spruce up the stadium a little bit. And you see a team of lads just painting the place. And it starts at the 2008-2009 season, which just to cast your mind back, 2007 when they bought the place was the last good year that humanity had. Because in 2008, the global recession started. And it's basically we've been going downhill ever since. And there's a great quote, right? If we score, we do fantastic. 
Mate, that's football all over. That's every stupid football fan right there. And you're meant to be a billionaire genius. It's one of those things when you t- when you see Flavio speaking, the in-between is a Palladini is what he's called. Luca Palladini, something like that. The He is, yeah, the uh, Gianni Palladini. Gianni Palladini, the Joe Pesci of football directors. He is. The- <laughs> is this your pen? Yeah. Oh. He's... Listen, we're not going to, because there's a bit in it where he goes, uh, I want to know the name. Oh, we'll get to that. That's a great bit. Yeah. All the people have booed me. It's wonderful to see in it. So basically, the first scene that sticks out has been absolutely brilliant to me is um, Ian Dowie, the current QPR manager, has to sit with the owners during a reserve match while they are telling him what to do. Hmm. And and then again, you've never ever seen this kind of footage. Have you heard Roman Abramovich speak more than three lines? No. Have you heard the sheiks of fucking Man City come out? But you know why they've never spoken? Because they've watched this film and gone, right? No one's putting cameras anywhere near yep. us. There's a great quote from Flavio, right? Flavio looking at one of the players who's playing just says, "I want to sell this fucking idiot." Right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's it's unbelievable, and then you see have Dowie um, go back into his dugout and having to talk about his because he's still mic'd up, so he's talking about his chat with Flavio, going, "Yeah, well, I've got to get on with him, haven't I? You know, what am I going to say?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just agreeing with everything he said. But the thing about QPR, right? So they're based in West London, which has always been considered the the rich part of London, um, but they're in Shepherd's Bush, yep. which Shepherd's Bush is at the time it's not a it's not that much of an expensive area, but it's sort of, it's up and come and it's got to where it is. It's just, it's very handy. So I used to live there, right? I lived there back in the sort of early nineties. And um, here's how rough it was. The first ever time I went to Shepherd's Bush was in 1988. And it was to go and have a drink with a girl who I, who I genuinely fancied a lot because she worked in the wimpy around the corner from the hotel I worked in. She turned up with a fella she's trying to shag. We ended <laughs> we ended up oh, in a pub in, yeah, I was gutted. We ended up in a pub in Shepherd's Bush. It all kicked off in this pub. They started throwing stuff at once. They started throwing beer at one another. And then when the beer had run out, they started throwing beer glasses at one another. One fella stamped on a piece of chalk and then hoovered it up like a line of Charlie. And it all kicked off in this pub. And I just remember backing out thinking, I'm never going to go to Shepherd's Bush. And I moved there about five years later. <laughs> it's such a rough place. It was proper rough. And this is these QPR fans, when the billionaires are talking to them, I'm like, lads, you want to back away. You don't know what this, you don't know what these guys are like. I know, because it's amazing to have those fans as close, like I say, Amit walking around the stadium, and those guys just corner him. Yeah. And he has to listen to him. But uh, the owners, and again, this is a huge rule in football. Whenever you've heard of an owner having direct influence on who plays, who subs, and tactics, the it's team falls good. apart. Uh, mm. Hearts were the team that almost challenged Rangers and Celtic. We're going back a good 10, 12 years ago now. But their owner went mental and started picking the team himself. Because uh, they believe they can do a better job. Yeah, it's, it's rich guy arrogance. Rich guy arrogance. It's like you can imagine Flavio being very similar to a Trump in, in the dressing room. God, yeah. Well, there's a quote, right, um, from the sporting... So the sporting director, is he's basically overseeing how the players... And then Flavio is the, 
the general manager. He's the um, he's the owner, he's the, majority he's the shareholder, owner, yeah. majority yeah. shareholder out the group. And he's well, the chairman, right? So he's um, yeah, so he's there almost on a daily basis. But the re- the person he goes and kicks is the sporting director, uh, Gianni Palladini. And Palladini says, and this could be repeated throughout the entire documentary. Flavio wants to sack the coach. <laughs> I don't know why. And that's with Ian Dowie. Right? Yeah, that's with that's with Dowie in charge. And um, he's the- fired five minutes into the documentary. And again, this gets repeated again and again and again and again. Oh, it's brilliant. You see, um, so Bernie Eccleston is not in this documentary a whole heap. No, but when he is mentioned initially, it's very unfair. How do you mean? Well, he's um, Bernie Eccleston. He's, he's one of my people, right? So he's uh, he's not the the tallest man in the world. There's a there's a fanzine magazine, and they've got Bernie Eccleston on the front as Mini Me and Flavio as sort of the the bigger guy. Oh, and, right, right. And right, right, Amit's right. taking the Mick out of the little guy. Well, this just. Don't fuck about with little people. What? What? We we we've stopped having a go at women and people of color and people with disabilities, but small people and ginger people and fat people are all okay, are they? And as a small ginger person, I've had enough. Good. I'm glad I got that off my chest. That's all right. Thanks yeah. for listening. <laughs> if we if we do have any of the social justice warriors following the discussion documentaries podcast, maybe you can. <laughs> Maybe it can help Matt, you know, start a start a parade to, you know, make stairs shorter. <laughs> <laughs> we just create create me a hashtag. That, that's all that gets me. Matt wants moving. a hashtag. God bless you. <laughs> but what I worked out from this, um, and it's no different today. So thirteen years later, football hasn't moved on that much. A football manager has the lifespan of a mayfly. Oh right? god. Yeah. Ian Downey lasted fifteen games. Well, check this, because it was during his 15 games that we see Bernie, the the hero of the short people, uh, for about 20 seconds. He looks like uh, he looks like baby Yoda traipsing around the dressing room. <laughs> he's, what is he about? In his 80s at this point? 70s, 80s? He, he must, he's a fair age. Yeah, he's uh, incredibly wealthy, Bernie. And I've noticed. And the, uh, the only thing he says is, Flavio, the expenses of these bottles is ridiculous. Don't get yes. so many. Which is the water bottles for the players. So the richest man who's bought your club comes in and went, that Harrogate spring, you're taking the piss. Yeah. <laughs> you get rid of it. I've worked for a, for a few millionaires and yeah, that's a that's a bit what they're like. And that's how they became millionaires because it is. Look after the pennies and the pounds take after themselves. I don't know. I think it's arrogance. I, I don't think that's why they became millionaires. <laughs> I think they're like... I haven't asserted any sort of authority in five minutes, so I'm going to yell that these pick and yeah. mix cost too much. Sporting director Gianni Palladini went, you know, in most teams, there are so many whoremongers, so many assholes around, and they only cause problems. Here at QPR, there's no one really like that. <laughs> well, well, there's you, Gianni. Uh- <laughs> yeah, Gianni is such a fascinating figure throughout this. Because he's the one who has to relay the owner's wishes yeah. to the managers. Usually, because clearly Flavio will turn up in your house and say that you're not trying hard enough. Well, Flavio's sitting next to him at a game. And it, it, I think by that stage, they're, they're on a this caretaker is, manager. This is the says, footage I love. Well, he said, if he loses the game, I'm getting rid of him. Yeah. you're like So this caretaker has been in charge for one game. It's not like they've had a, a year of arguing over summer transfers, tactics, team philosophy, and resentment has built up over time. It is, 
I don't like this guy. If we lose, I'm yeah. going to sack the prick, which is, again, caught on caught on the wire. Yeah, and, yeah. And then um, they make him substitute a player off for the player they want to come on. Yeah. The Flavio and, says, put this sub on. Okay. McMahon, McMahon, or Mahon, one of the two, he scores from a corner, and they jump up, and Palladini, the sporting director, is flicking the Vs at the assistant man, at the caretaker yeah. manager for not doing it quick enough. Like, this is just a toxic work environment for a football club. It is never, never going to last. And then they get Paolo Sousa. Now, did you ever hear Paolo Sousa before this documentary? I'd never heard of him. Right, Le- legendary he, winger. Well, okay, he gives the worst motivational speech. Ever. I was about to say that, yeah, because yeah, that they hire him, and I don't think he was prepared to talk to the team at that point because you'd obviously no. just been drilled by mm. Flavio and the owners about what you have to be like and what it has to be like. Yeah. So then they go down to the players' canteen, meet the players, and you're right. It, I put that him talking to the players was so awkward and impromptu yep. it was he just chucked out a couple of uh, clichés of trying hard commitment and loyalty is very important to him I, that's what got me right he said the thing i want most is loyalty why do why do bosses ask for that sort of stuff most people are here for the money we're not footballers not championship footballers well no if you want if you want loyalty that much give him a share give him some skin in the game right there you go. That's not a bad Don't shout. Don't demand there. loyalty. Just I demand loyalty. Really? Fucking hell! You won't even get that from your wife. I was screaming some of the times at the TV because uh, you know I used to be a manager of people. I'm not saying I was a good manager, but I did give the loyalty speech once. I think that's why it wound me up so much because I know it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, if you go in Monday morning for tea break and be like, "Who's with me, fellow admins?" <laughs> We're Come gonna on, be bureaucrats. We're gonna be the best damn businessmen we can today. Well, the sporting director, right? One of the players misses. Probably because you're short. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get him, Bernie. Um, the the sporting director turns round, right? They miss a goal, right? That's all they do. It happens in football. And he went, "Oh, for fuck's sake! Why don't we just put the ball in the back of the net?" What? Shut up. You're an idiot, sir. You're an absolutely idiot. Well, you got Palladini there, and you see him. There's footage of him in his little office, and he's going through the away record. Yeah. But he's doing it. He's going, see, we lose, 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 lose. We need to win. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> like, like he's worked something out, you know what I mean? Like when I've got to turn my pockets out for an answer with a boss, so it's like, well, I've noticed this correlation between uh, conceding goals and not getting three points <laughs> on a Saturday. I think if we look into that area and develop a strategy so that we don't have to lose so much, <laughs> I think that is the best course of action we can do right now, boss. Well, Paulo Salsa, right, um, he sits there and they grill him. And Flavio says to him, listen, last year we had much worse quality in the players, but more points. Why are you not doing your job properly? And it's so uncomfortable. It's brutal. It's like the end of The Apprentice. Yes, it like, is. Like, it yeah, is yeah. that level grilling. It's kind of, say something out of line and I'll sack you now. If you don't, yeah. you're listening to me out. But and they're not pa- spending huge amounts on players because what not, was expected. No. Um, I noticed they got Wayne Routledge on a loan. Peter Ramage was the next tune player. But what, what they do is, Paolo Sosa, or as we're going to refer to him from here on in, manager number two, Right, but at this stage, the documentary's been going on for about eight minutes. Um, 
they gave away on loan his best striker the to Tottenham scorer. Forest yeah. while he was on holiday. He then gets Paolo Salza, manager number two, gets asked why he's given away their best striker. And he says, I don't know, lads. He's asked by the press and he went, I don't know. I was on holiday. I come back from holiday and it was done. And this is the thing. You see Palladini clearly lie. So Palladini freaks out at this and says, he rings Flavio Inch and he goes, this manager, he's a fucking idiot. He is telling the press that we <laughs> sell the best players without even telling them when they're on fucking holiday. And it's just like, that's what happened. He goes, no, I text him. <laughs> I told him. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, they then sack him. Right? Yeah, because they said it was uh, it was gross misconduct. You know, you know, like telling the truth is gross misconduct. Because you know how you that s- is, you can tell the stress is getting to this Palladini in a big way because he has to deal with yeah. Flavio. He and has a daily Flavio, basis. yeah, like literally threatening his job, and the way he talks to them is, yeah. is brutal. So he has to make him happy and then go back. So he is second guessing all decisions, and yeah, he messed up and he lied and got Paulo Souza sacked because he even embellished what he said in the yeah. press conference about the loan signing. Mm, yeah, yeah, it was awful. Well, there's a great quote, right? He said that you know the the boards talk about the four year plan, but they just seem to have a four minute plan. And it, yeah, you're like, yeah, fair enough. Fans, right? As a football fan, I also get angry about what the board do, but. They've invested millions of pounds of unpaid tax money, whereas I've only invested like 1,500 quid and my time and my heart. And it's not compulsory to support the club, right? He got sent off in that match, the first match without, without Blackstock being, low, being loaned out. Yeah, yeah. Souza this gets Paolo, sent. manager yeah. too. Yeah, Paolo yeah. Souza gets sent off and sent to the touchlines. You see back how he's not allowed to come. He's got to be in the stands. But you also see Palladini run down and tell the assistant manager what subs he has to make, which yeah. again, is it just cuts the legs out. So you're getting blamed for results, but the guy who's firing you is making the decisions that you're being yeah. held responsible for. I, l- I like what the fans were chanting, right? Uh, the fans are chanting, we want our Rangers back. We want our Rangers back. We want our Rangers back. What, what, you want to be bankrupt uh, and non-existent? I don't think you do. Because at this stage, they're ninth in the league. Football fans are so fickle. They and I so can't spoiled. believe... Yeah. Oh, they are so... But here's what those football fans and all football fans make me do. They make me like the owners. <laughs> right? That, that means I like my... Obviously, apart from the owners of my club, because, you know, those guys are idiots. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the other... Uh, during this documentary, I cannot believe I kept siding with the billionaires. That's just, and I'm a working class lad, right? Yeah, it's, I was like, oh, those poor billionaires. Oh, their their fans are having a go at them. It's, it's just terrible. It is. It's because, again, we are conditioned to laugh at the misfortune of people who support other clubs to ours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so even though that I. I Again, you're just going, God, look at those QPR fans. This will be happy mid-table. They're going to do well. They're going to spend... Yeah. But again, you know, I'm from a club that apparently if we lose to Sunderland, someone gans out and punches a horse. <laughs> like, there is there is plenty plenty wrong with the Newcastle side of it. So um, so they're walking out, they're chanting, they're booing, and then they've got footage of... And this is, this is when it's almost peak of the best footage they get. Flavio... He's in front of a bunch of fans before he gets into his hired car or his town car, his steer car, whatever. His hired car. And then... um, It's a Bentley, Rick. (laughs) 
all right i don't know i don't drive yeah. you you it's a, you it's a very expensive car but um so he's talking to a bunch of fans and if you watch the language of the fans as well because he's going mental flavio the chairman is going yeah i want the names of the people that were booing i spent x amount of money in this they will not come I'll, i sell the club i sell the club go back to fucking yeah. division two for all i care and you should see the difference in the voice of the fans around him because like, oh, yeah. Flavio, no, mate, you saved us, Flavio. <laughs> Flavio, listen, no, you saved us. And you're just like, oh, look at you. The minute you're held accountable to what you're saying. But again, the spoiled petulance and the idea that a football chairman can't handle criticism from the crowd. And I'll yeah. tell you what, I've read a lot about Prince Bin Salabim or whatever the fuck he's called in Saudi Arabia, and he is not going to take too well to if we don't get a result away to Everton. Like <laughs> There will be Saudi death squads hunting down YouTubers <laughs> talking about their transfer policy, because if you think Flavio is a bit much, <laughs> you ask fucking Kasogi what happens when you piss off the prince. <laughs> But what I like about Flavio, as he's talking to the fans, he says, listen, you pay £10. I pay £35 million. Now, you go get me the names of the people who booed me or I sell it. Do you understand? So I think what he's going to do is, Rick, he's going to get good fellas on their ass. So I think we should just be nice to Flavio. That isn't why I quite liked him. I just liked him. So I, that- genuinely, because he was, he was interfering. And... The film showed that when he did interfere, it seemed to work. No, right? no, 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 it no. It did. The, the, the film moral, showed that. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you the exact point that proves it, right? The moral is is that I needed to stay out, in my opinion. Because, um, look, so they hired Jim Magilton. Yeah, just manager looked, number three. Looked like a, a, a deer in the headlights. And he was the eighth or ninth manager in three and a bit years. Yeah, and because you're not used to, you don't sack. Uh, two or three managers and you do not give, god no no they, stability you, yeah it just wrecks the club from inside out yeah, and it yeah. takes a long term to turn the ship around and jimmy uh, Mackleton has a great run of games right he joins and has a good they go up like four or five places in the league yeah but then there's some kind of touchline incident with a reserve team manager yeah which yeah. i can imagine they didn't say anything because obviously you're not allowed to because when you sack a football manager, they get paid out. They get yeah. their full contract. This is why Sam Allardyce is one of the most richest men in the country because he's been fired by that many clubs and he's always argued mm. for a, a 42-man backroom staff in a five-year contract. So like after six months of drawing nil-nil and losing, he gets $8 million <laughs> to be axed off. Well, uh, he didn't last long, Jimmy Magilton, right? So, yeah, he was... Magilton, um, Jim Magilton. Well, he was suspended due to allegedly being naughty. Um, The thing is, though, that this time, right, so it's November, it's 2009. uh, Britain's Prime Minister, just to put this into context, was Gordon Brown. And do you remember when he became Prime Minister, all those Daily Mail readers died because of that headline on the front page of the Daily Mail, Brown Prime Minister? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Boom-tish. when i first got into stand-up that was the first proper joke i think i ever wrote all oh, right who qualified yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah i wasn't i haven't improved much now i'm not gonna lie oh it's uh, been a long time since we've been out talking to regular strangers <laughs> 
Um, there was a lovely quote because they kept having these finance meetings and they're always trying to shave a quid off here and a quid off there. And the quote was, we're spending 650 to 700 pound a, ma- a match on flowers. And they had to turn that off because they're like, yeah, flowers, that ain't going to do, son. Yeah, and they only keep it for like the executive boxes that uh, spend the most cash in there. Mm. Um, so they hire. So I think because the, the, they say due to touchline incident with re- the reserve team manager, yep. I have a sneaking suspicion that reserve team manager is getting constant phone calls to switch fullbacks from the owners and and just oh, daft. God. Yeah, yeah. And then he kicked off and wanted to be in charge, and then he got sacked instantly. Uh, he did, and, it, and they bring in a new manager. Check this out, Paul so Hart. Paul Hart, right? And you watch his press conference, and I'm like, I don't remember Paul Hart being their manager. I wonder. And in, in the press conference, he turns around, <laughs> I wonder why. and he says, "Well, I think the main thing is it's it's managing the football team, but it's also managing the expectations of the owners." And I thought that is the wrong thing to say. Paulo Souza got sacked for less, and then the next screen it says Paul Hart has resigned as QPR. <laughs> <laughs> and that was less than a month. Less than five games. He was manager number four in the same season. Within six months. And um, I, because I, there's always, he would have been, they said he left via mutual consent. So he would have agreed a fee so he did not yeah. get his full payout. Yeah. And a part of that fee would be him keeping his mouth shut. The sad thing is, right, so Loftus Road isn't a huge ground. Like, as I said, I live like two roads away. It's not massive. But it's an old school football ground. So the sound travels really well. And because it's been there since 1882, those fans, right? And they've been, they've had time to gel together. And they're singing a song, you know, Flavio is a wanker, is a wanker, is a wanker. And it just, you do genuinely feel a bit for this billionaire. You must do, Rick. Where's your empathy? When you go from this spoiled baby of an owner who wants everyone's name who booed him, and then you see him walk through that foyer, and it is literally like Hitchcock's The Birds of how many QPR fans are just lined up, and they're banging on the perspex going, Bella Tony, there's a wanker, there's a wanker, (laughs) Bella Tony, there's a wanker, there's a wanker. It's terrifying, they're banging on the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And um, the, the song the fans made is terrible, right? So it went, four year plan, you're having a laugh, Four-year plan, you're having a laugh. And then they repeat it until it dies out. Who's their lyricist here? He should be treated like a QPR manager. Get rid, mate. And then Favio, um, he turns around and he sits down with the players and he says, you know what your problem is, right? This is a billionaire talking to football players. It's, what did you teach me that thing the other week? Uh, Shaquille O'Neal is rich, but the guy who pays him, he's wealthy. Yeah. Right. So uh, Chris Rockland. Right. So he's saying... Um, he said to the players, Flavio goes, you're not angry enough. I need you angry. I'm like, give him a, just keep talking to him, Flavio. They'll get there. By this stage, they've gone, they've gone from the top of the league to the bottom of the league. And then Flavio says, somehow we found five to six incompetent managers. <laughs> well, d- doesn't that point to your incompetence then, Flavio? Especially when they they load out the best striker on deadline day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They were complaining. Why are you playing? We play 4-4-2 every game. Why are you playing one striker up front? It's ridiculous. It's like because you sold my other strikers. I think Mick Harford was caretaker manager. Oh, okay. All right. Right. Okay. Because then they bring in Neil Warnock. And who is? Yeah, you're right. He's the caretaker manager. And that's he's the Neil Warnock is the fifth manager that season. Um, there's a great when they introduced Neil Warnock, right? 
there's a great shot. He's walking down the door to the boardroom and he walks it's walking down the corridor, sorry, to the boardroom. And he walks past the door that says winners only. And he went, well, you're going to have to take that off, ain't you? Yeah, because yeah, that's what they've got in the dressing room. Winners only for the team. So if you lose, you feel bad going in. And the first thing he yeah. says is that goes. That goes immediately. Yeah. Now, why does no one like Neil Warnock? Because no one does, right? I, I found him hard to not like. Oh, he's brilliant in this. And if he's your team's manager, I think you get behind him. But he's he, he he's very whingy on referee decisions. He's one of those. Him, Stephen, like, was it Fry? Was another manager of a similar ilk in that league. And um, I think he's just a bit of a character, but he has to be the manager of your team. Right, okay. For you to like him, because this shows, again, it shows a different class, because he is a cut above the managers they've had. He comes he certainly in, is. steadies yeah. the ship, and then they're given a press conference, and the captain's about to say something he regrets. He instantly... No, that's not a press conference, right? That's the Plattingham members meeting. So they bring in, like, that's a fans yeah, yeah, meeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and... Um... It's it, yeah. Sorry, go on. I talked over you. No, no, no. You you corrected me. Correct. So um, yeah. So they they're doing this meeting like a, a kind of town hall with the platinum farm yeah, members. Yeah, yeah. And the captain is about to say something negative about the ownership and the turmoil. He uh, says it's been a nightmare. And yeah. Neil Warnock leans forward instantly. Like the minute he says like one torn out of place, just leans forward, takes the microphone. I'm going all right there, son. Don't worry, I've got this. So <laughs> what? What you got to remember is the state of the club before the owners came in, which was a something like two hundred million pounds debt, and it is, and it's a massive club, and we look forward to the good times coming. Like just absolute clinical yeah. with the press, didn't put a foot wrong. Yeah, arm round the players again, and, and then it starts to turn around. They, they, well, the, so the two thousand and nine two thousand and ten season finishes QPR a fifteenth, right? That's the middle of the table. And the winners of the championship that, that season, Rick, did you notice that? With 102 points, Newcastle United, if I remember correctly. It was Newcastle United. Was that uh, the Andy Carroll season? That with, was uh, that was the Kevin Andy, Nolan. Andy Carroll, Kevin Nolan, Joey Bart. It's the best team you could ever have in the championship, really. <laughs> it was a beautiful team. I saw them but play. Let me it was tell absolutely you, gorgeous. Let me tell you, the championship is minging. Don't think, when you get relegated, don't be like, oh, at least we'll win every week. Because the football's awful. It's it's who gets the most corners wins the game. It is long ball. It is just it, you can tell they do it. Like if I've been spoiled, I had Premier League football from the age of like that ninety four until two thousand eleven. Yeah, and not only that, when I was becoming in my football consciousness, it was through the Kevin Keegan era of taking Newcastle up all the leagues with Andy Cole. Yeah, then. Then we lose call, get Les Ferdinand, David Ginola, these like foreign superstars. It was Beautiful fantasy players. football. We have Euro mm. 96. What happens at the back of Euro 96? We're signing Alan Shearer. So mm. yeah, we didn't realise that in a year's time when Keegan leaves, the ownership changes and we get Kenny at least how bad... It, could, we, it was just wonderful. Like it was the Football is so big where I'm from. When I see the Newcastle United badge... I can taste birthday cake because <laughs> that, that's the, a quote. The, that is that, the subliminal market. I'm, I'm putting that on your gravestone. 
that is the marketing of it. If I see the Newcastle badge, the blue and the seahorses, and I think birthday kick was every single birthday party I went to as a kid and as an adult, there's a fucking Newcastle United ba- like badge on there. Like you've done the thing that this documentary didn't do. You've given me goosebumps because there were no goosebump moments in this entire entire documentary. No, but you've no. just done it. So for that, thank you because that was. <laughs> Yeah, that or, was lovely. Or maybe you've just got low blood sugar. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, so. well, he t- basically they've got rid of Flavio as the chairman, and Amit comes in as the chairman. Now Amit is a really cool dude, right? He so is. So he's, he's the right. son-in-law of Lakshmi Mittal. Now, if you don't know who Lakshmi Mittal is, he owns one of the biggest steel companies on the planet. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Lakshmi Mittal's next-door neighbor is. The Queen of England. Oh, right. That's how successful this guy is. His neighbour is Liz and Phil. <laughs> and it was a block of flats. He bought the lot and he's turned it into his place. Wow. It's uh, oh, it's stunning. So they spent... Absolutely stunning. 3.5 million over two years, so spread out payments on nine players. They get decent loan players in. They get Wayne Routledge yep. back. Wayne, Newcastle yep. bought Wayne Routledge, got promoted with him. They sent him back down. Great winger, Wayne Routledge. He does great as well. And the sporting director turns round to Palladini and says, listen, if you're going to sit here and slag off the players, you want to do one, son. I'm not having it. Get out. And it, yep. it's a complete change of mentality. It's yep. beautiful. And from that point on, it's 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 Greenfield, isn't it? It's all success. And Well, they smashed Barnsley 4-0. Now, I don't know if that's good in 2010. And I'm not trying to do Barnsley a disservice, right? But beating Barnsley in 2010 4-0, was that good? Or was that like, yeah, we should have been 8-0? No, you know, no. It's, it's the championship. If you win, you win. Because you can't keep up with it. There's too many games. It's like 44 games. So you'd be looking forward to a match on a Saturday. You don't realise that you played on Tuesday and Thursday as well. Like you just, yeah, It's yeah. just constant, constant. And that's why it's the bigger teams and it's all like Leeds... Um, they've just been promoted with, they've got a world-class manager, Mario Bielsa. Yeah. He is famous for his style of football, which Pochettino is a is a student of, is, is the closing yes. down, the recycling of possession. So yeah. what happens is uh, he was under Herrera's manager in Atletico Madrid, I think it was, or Atletico Bilbao. So he's told stories about what he's like, and they get weighed in like boxes every day. They, they have to maintain a certain diet, yep. but there's a point in the season when their legs go because they've just been ran ragged. <laughs> right? And it's a real hitting the wall physically because of how he plays and how players have to do it to be in his system. But he is going to be mint in the Premier League. I'm looking forward to seeing what Leeds, Leeds put together next year. Me too, actually. Because basically, he was only been, he's only been in charge for two seasons and look where he's got them already. He's being touted for the next Barcelona manager. Well, he said, but he said he's not up for that, isn't he? He goes, that's not my... He goes, listen, I, I take clubs that are not doing well and I turn them around. He goes, I'm no good at a club. They're too modern for me. I suppose you can't scream at Lionel Messi to run 90 more kilometres a match. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You're kind of at the will of those players. But back to this one. So they bought a bunch of decent players and then you see Ahmed trying to buy a higher stake, which gets refused in the club. Yes. So Bernie Eccleston buys out Flavio and Bernie Eccleston becomes the majority shareholder. And at this point, right, QPR are having their best start to a season in 63 years. And then Neil Warnock starts talking money with Amit about buying players because, you know, by this stage, they're half, are they about halfway through the season? They're top of the league. They're coming to the January transfer window and then yeah. they, 
they start saying, look, to get us over the line, if we do this, that will guarantee it or give us a much yeah. better chance. The way Amit is having to go to the shareholders and get money. Yeah, and ask for more money. That is what you want as a football fan. You want someone going, look, we need better on yeah. the pitch as opposed to someone going, but if we spend two million, we might lose one million on that deal. That is yeah. what you want. That is ideally the personality you want kicking around. I've got nothing but respect for Amit. Well, here's yeah. why I respected the director of the documentary, because the minute Neil and Amit started talking about money and buying players, it then pans out from them. Camera cuts across a little bit to the left and it goes right to the back of the room. And then you see talking on his mobile telephone, Harry, King of the Jungle, Rosie 47, Redknapp. And I thought that was just great documentary making right there. He cut away from a really important conversation about cash to go, oh, they're talking cash. Oh, that's weird because there's another man talking cash in the room. Look, Harry Redknapp. Well, it's don't Harry look well? I'll tell you, you what, well it's that, right? funny 2010. You, it is funny you see Harry Redknapp because the next... The next scene, we see that the FA have a problem with <laughs> the way they have been conducting transfer business with fake agents. Yeah, Alejandro is... Falling from Argentina gets signed, and there's a problem with the paperwork. So, and it's all down to Palladini, right? It's all Pallad- It's all on Palladini, because basically yeah. this guy isn't a licensed agent so the fa get money from every transfer because they have to pay license fees to the agents okay but at this stage in the documentary they are seventh uh, sorry they're they're top of the league they're they've got a seven point lead they're not nine games to go to go their goal difference is a staggering 36 goals the closest team to them on a goal difference is on 15 goals so they're doing great right they're at the top of the league yeah, they've absolutely smashed it. Neil Warnock, uh, manager number five, is absolutely knocking it out of the park. And then there's about three games to go, and Flavio and Palladini are both sitting there watching the game, and they genuinely lose a game. I think it's their first game all season, and they're three quarters of the way through the season. And they're like, that fucking coach, he doesn't want to win. Yeah. No, hang on a sec. He's had the best start in 63 years. He's currently, he's like three points away from winning the championship and the league's got a few months to go, for Christ's sake. And they're slagging him off. It's awful. And when they get promoted, beating uh, Watford, I was just, I'm doing backflips. I was over the moon about that. But then it comes out that the FA are probing that furlong deal and they're talking possible points deduction. Yeah, and that's when the tension starts coming in because... Neil Warnock has done so well getting them this far. And everyone's going, yeah, you're going to have your points deducted. You're not going to get promoted. And then you see a chat. This is probably one of the best scenes in it of Flavio and how he talks to Gianluca Palladini, the sporting director. So the sporting director is up for it. He, This is in his territory. And he says, look, yeah. I picked the player. I choose his right. Then it's down to the legal team. I don't do any of this. Yeah. It's fine. I've spoke to the legal team. And he is just in Flavio. It's just Brilliant. stonewalling them. Like, do you know, the end of Goodfellas, like, now I got to turn my back. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when Paulie is just... Whoremonger. Just looking through him and saying, but why, if you're telling me it is fine, why are they saying on the television that there would be a yeah. fucking points deduction? 
you're in for the yeah. fucking shit. And then when when they turn out and and the appeal comes through saying there will not be a points deduction, they they announce it at the match, which is brilliant. That is a great yes, response. That is a great because the fans don't know if they can celebrate right winning the championship. Yeah, yeah. It's and then this is the thing why I say it's like Goodfellas. Gianni runs out to Warner crying and says, "Yeah, you saved my life. I love you." I, I I fuck that I love you. It's the you save my life where you got fucking Mafia Flavio. Well, that's like, why he loves him. It's like it's like it's like uh, you ever seen um, Carlitos? Where it's just like the lime pit has already been dug, and from here it's one button, <laughs> just one button I push. Gale, Gale. Because <laughs> <laughs> two of the charges towards the ch- they were towards the chairman for bringing the game into disrepute. Yeah. I mean, how fucking dodgy was he? Oh, su- super dodgy. And then, so no points deduction, and then they show you uh, what happened. So that's the end of the documentary. Four-year plan. They've got them promoted. That was the goal. Um, and then they get bought out by Fernandez. Well, this is when it gets really interesting for me because, they, yeah, they get bought out by Tony Fernandez. Now, Tony Fernandez owns, uh, I think it's Air Asia. It's like the easy jet of Asia. And Tony Fernandez is a West Ham fan, right? No, no, I'll buy one, Well, no, and he wanted to buy West Ham. And uh, they were like, nah, you're all right. Are you kidding me? The geezer owns an airline. Oh, And, and he... the second he takes over, Tony Fernandez, what's the first thing he does? He exacts justice. That's what he does. And he gets Gianni Palladini fired. He it's, fires... It, that, to me, is the best part of the film. Oh, he fires Paladini, but I remember what they did because they came up and they went and they bought some big name players very quickly. Massive. They spent a fortune. Because and I think people learned a lot from what they did. So they got like I think yes. Sean, Sean Wright Phillips. I think they grabbed from Chelsea, who was right. on the off big money. Uh, a player called Junior Hollier, who was meant to be the next big thing. Uh, Christoph Samba, who was like the best centre back in the Prem, and then went over to I think like a Saudi league for big money. They bring him back for, and again, that's like signing a Harry Maguire or a, a right. Virgil van Dijk of his time. But what they hadn't realized is they weren't fucking playing properly in Saudi Arabia. It was a free paycheck for him. So he came back in terrible shape and was never the same player again. And they get relegated right. that year. They sacked yeah. Warnock by January. Warnock was gone. Puts Mark Hughes in charge. That's when you know you're in trouble. Yeah, Mark Hughes. He's another like uh, harbinger of death for your football club whenever you see him <laughs> pass through. There is a, there is like a cycle of managers that you just know where your clubs are. I mean, let's stick Alan yes. Pardew in there, Sam yeah. Allardyce, David Moyes. Hang on a second, right? Because let's 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 get some balance here, right? Because you're having a pop at Big Sam now. Big Sam, when my team got relegated into the Championship, he got us to the playoffs, right? To get promoted to the Premier League. It was in uh, so I went to Wembley in 2012. Does a um, go? Uh, no, it was uh, Bobby Zamora. No, it was um, basically it was West Ham and we were playing Blackpool, who were managed by the brilliant Steve Bruce and West Ham were managed by by Sam Allardyce. So you're trying uh, to trigger ex- me, Matt. The, the exquisite Sam Allardyce. Um, and basically it was one it was one all by like the start of the second half. Um and by the 80, uh, 85th minute, I had to go because I had a gig in Margate and I was pretty drunk at this stage. As I was walking down the stairs in Wembley, 
Ricardo Vazte scored in the 86th minute. I missed the winning goal at Wembley for my team. One of the best things that's happened in my lifetime. I missed it. Portuguese winger. He was at Bolton initially, yeah. Ricardo Vazte. I used to sign him as a 16-year-old on Championship Manager. If he had the emotional intelligence, he would have been great, but he didn't. He was in it for the money, money, money. Anyway, I've never lived that down in front of all my West Ham mates. I've missed my team's greatest achievement in the last 40 years, and I missed it. I switched off the match at 3-0 when we drew 4-4 of Arsenal in recent years. <laughs> We're going to do that one, though. The podcast of sporting. Oh, here's what I did this time. The, 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 an hour of this twat fucked up me accumulator. Um, yeah. <laughs> So that that's pretty much the the end the end of four year plan. Did you uh, enjoy it? I loved it. I loved it back in the day. I have to say, I would have given this a higher score, but there has been a football documentary that has topped it since for me. This has been the best um, for a long time. The footage they found, find out how mental the owners are. It is if you're a football fan, it is fascinating and hilarious yeah. to watch. Really, you you can put yourself in the shoes of absolutely everyone there, and it's it is. Brilliant, not too long. and uh, But again, once Neil Warner comes, it's not worth really seeing, is the documentary-wise. You see some cracking goals then. I think that's superb. Um, so what, what's your score then? What, what, what uh, are you going to score uh, this uh, one? I'm giving it a 3.5. I'll, I'll match that. I'll give that a 3.5. Yeah. Just they would have got more, but when I lived in Shepherd's Bush, when QPR were playing, I could never park my car. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm knocking a point off for that. Because it was just a misery living around there when they played. So that's a healthy seven. I, I went to Loftus Road, the, the QPR game, where last time Newcastle was in the championships, about two or three years back now. And uh, so my mate had told us he got tickets and then he explained how we're in the home end. He's the QPR fan I worked with. So we're in the home end. And then he tells me on the way that he couldn't get tickets together. So I have to ask someone if they're willing <laughs> to switch seats. And did you put your London accent on when Wait, you asked, or did you? Oh, uh, son, how was, are you? Where was I sitting, livid. geezer? Lovely yeah. fridge freezers. Yeah, I was absolutely because if I if I have to like talk to like a stranger, I will slow my voice down so I'm not mumbling and so I can be understood, which just goes more Geordie. And like, excuse me, mate. <laughs> would you mind if I sat here instead of over there? <laughs> so I was worried about that, and I got there, and I've never been to a stadium that had so many people in there that didn't support the team. So you had like. There was basically like it was American corporate people, just not in a corporate box, but people just on a work do sat with them. So they, so I got my seat, and it was brilliant because I think we beat them six seven nil in the end. And the second half, everyone of the QPR fans left. So it was me, my mate sat next to us. I've got my feet swung over the two chairs in front, Lovely. arms out. And then there's like one guy with a daft hat who I'm glad wasn't shown in the documentary. He doesn't deserve attention, but he goes there with like clackers and maracas to every fucking QPR game. And he's and he sits purposely close to the away fans to shake the maracas at them. So he wasn't too familiar. He was still there. And then the Geordies that were absolutely battered right down to the right of us. And they were, <laughs> they were singing shit at me because I'm like one of the like... In relation to the stadium, there's only 20 people between me and uh, 300, 500, or how many of us there. But it was just brilliant. And uh, it was one of those times where, like, I've never seen Newcastle win so much and have this much leg space at a football game. It was fucking. <laughs> I loved the game I took you to at West Ham at the London Stadium. 
So it was West Ham, Newcastle. And uh, you were keeping a reasonably low profile. And then you started playing out your skin and you started beating us. And you looked at me and you went, I don't think this has happened in a while. <laughs> what was the fight? Was it 3-2, the final score? That was one of the was it 3-1? That was one of the first games that uh, Alan St. Maxim, uh, I love him on the computer games, but I hadn't seen him play live. And he is going to be one of the best players in the world. ASM, he's right. fucking excellent. And I remember every time he got the ball, I was just trying not to say something daft to you. I was like, he's a dancer. Look at him. He's a dancer. He's dancing for <laughs> and, and I can just see it. Just, just a discontent from West Ham fans. <laughs> um, it's the last time he comes football with Well, the me. first one we lost, the first one was like, because I came to the one the year before with you. And yes. there was a, young, yeah, yeah, yeah. a youngster just came through our ranks of Sean Longstaff. And I went, see him, Matt. I'm really looking forward to seeing him because he's meant to be absolutely, oh, he's broke his leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, the only player I want to see. And he's just been crocked for the season within, yeah. But hey, right. good Fo- times. Football is, a, football is a miserable game. Um, but I'd recommend this, and I would also recommend, which I believe we are going to do in long form Sunday, the series Sunderland Till I Die, because that one is up there with four-year plan, but there's more content, and it's a lot funnier because it's Sunderland. So uh, thank you very much for listening. We have a lot more episodes out there. Please check them out if you haven't already, and keep coming back. We are very grateful that you're here to listen to us. If you want to follow us on our Facebook page, you drop us an email if you want to make suggestions. We are discussing documentaries at gmail.com. We also take requests on our Facebook page. Twitter, we are uh, discuss doc pod. Uh, we're is, on Instagram. This is, this is, this is already all too many for you. If you get in touch, yeah, I, I is... guarantee this will be Matt getting back to you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, drop us a line. If you've got a suggestion for a documentary, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we'd love to talk about it and dissect it and run our minds over it. Uh, say goodbye, Rick. Okay. Thanks very much for again for listening. And uh, yeah, uh, what's, what's, what's up on the docket next there, uh, Matt? On the docket next is Minimalism on Netflix. I'll see you guys in two weeks then. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Goodbye. Oh, yeah.